Thank you for your patience once again. Good morning. For those who may not have been with us during the Sunday School Hour or last night, uh, my name is Tom Hoyle, my lovely wife Penny, and our full-time ministry for 25 years now has dealt with the accuracy of God's Word, especially in terms of science. As we said last night, as we said this morning, as I'm sure Pastor Davis preached, as we'll talk about now, true science, it always agrees with the Bible. The more we dig, the better God's Word looks, right? And this research into science and archaeology and history and prophecy, folks, this research also helps us to better understand God's Word and, of course, share God's Word. So during the week, we speak in public schools, Christian schools, homeschool groups, Awanas, youth rallies, that kind of thing. And, of course, on Sundays, we get to be in God's house like yours, and we're extremely grateful for your financial support because it's mainly what keeps us going the rest of the week. By the way, folks, before we begin, I have a prayer request for you, among others, but this one I think is the most important prayer request. Please keep praying for our young people. Their faith is getting hammered like never before. The Associated Press has been conducting a survey of graduating Christian high school seniors now for the last four years, and the results are unchanged. Folks, Four out of five of our graduating Christian high school seniors will drop out of church. And most of these kids report that they no longer believe in the Bible. That's four out of five, 80%. We're losing our kids faster than we can make them. How can this be, you ask? Well, they asked their kids, why do you no longer go to church? Why do you no longer believe in the Bible? And the most common response was the theory of evolution. We've got to make sure our kids and everybody else realize that we were made, that we are loved, and that we can be saved, right? So again, we do salute you for your financial support. We thank you very much for that and, of course, for your prayer support. And then, as you already know from what Pastor Davis said, I also have the privilege of serving in the Air Force Reserve and have been doing so for 29 years now. And uh, during uh, well, beginning of the worship service, Pastor Dave was asking for a testimony from me. My wife will tell you, I'm a bit bashful talking about my own testimony, but I got to thinking, here's a quick, little bit of a funny story for you about how exciting it is to share the Lord Jesus Christ in a military setting. Years ago, I was assigned to McCord Air Force Base as a young reserve chaplain, and uh, I became rather famous for my business cards. I handed out seven different types of business cards, and on the, on the face of the business cards, um, it would say things like, Devil Busters, we're praying to beat hell. <laughs> or we'd have something like, Spiritual Operations Command. Things like that. Well, on the back of the cards, we had the complete plan of salvation, complete with scriptures. And we were very excited to see many people come to Lord Jesus Christ as a result. My goal, when I was in active duty, was to hand out 500 cards per week. Now, that was doing something, folks. I mean, I really had to haul to do that. And my goal, folks, was to see as many people as possible exposed to the gospel of Christ, courtesy of those cards. Well, praise the Lord, after a while, everywhere you went at McCord Air Force Base, my business cards were in bulletin boards, desk blotters, everywhere you went. One day, I was visiting the command section at McCord in what we call the big castle, this great big red brick building. At any rate, I was in a command section. And I walked in there. I used a lot of humor, no big surprise, to break the ice before I talked to people about spiritual things. I walked in the command section, and I said, Good morning, I'm Chapman Hoyle. I'm here on a spot sin inspection. We understand. We understand there's too much iniquity going on around here in the command section. 
We're looking for especially heinous, gross sinners that are in this section right here that we can minister to. And of course, they're all cracking up, pointing fingers at each other, you know, and one poor lieutenant colonel in the corner, everybody was pointing at him. And they said, Chaplain, you've got to talk to that, that man over there. He is a fornicator and a blasphemer and all kinds of horrible things like that. So I went up to him and said, sir, maybe I should give you two of my business cards, okay? Well, I hear a voice behind me. And this voice says, is that a fact, chaplain? I turn around and I gulp. It was the wing commander. Now, if you know about the Air Force, the wing commander is God with a small g, okay? This is his base, okay? He looked at me and said, chaplain, follow me. Oh, no. My knees are getting weak. I mean, they're physically getting weak, okay? I walked in his office, sweating profusely, praying feverishly. He sat down. He said, Chaplain, I've been meaning to meet you. I've been seeing your cards everywhere. I've been hearing about you everywhere. And you're a reservist. And he pulled up on his desk drawer, and he had a stack of my business cards <laughs> from previous visits. He said, I need some more of your business cards because I've been handing them out for you. <laughs> he says, dismissed. And I squeaked out, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> so if you think of it, please pray for us, okay? Pray for my wife. She's married to me, okay, folks? It could be worse, ladies. You could be my wife, all right? But uh, at any rate, but uh, again, a real pleasure to be with you folks. We enjoyed being with you last night during the Sunday school hour. Always a pleasure to get to be back with Pastor Dave. And I forgot that he's a wonderful musician. I mean, I thought he was just another pretty face in a crowd, you know. And come to find out he can preach, he can teach, he can witness, he can sing, he can juggle and all. No, no juggling. Okay, no juggling. All right. Well, at any rate, uh, he did say that we could speak until 12, 12 midnight. But uh, we will try to wrap up things before then, because I can hear some of your stomachs grumbling in unison, and you probably want to eat all those wonderful cookies and things over there. You're probably thinking, let my people go. So <laughs> let us briefly share with you from God's Word from Ephesians chapter 6. If you would, turn with us to our text, which will be, of course, Ephesians chapter 6. And as you know, our topic will be an Indiana Jones look at the armor of God. And again, I'm dressed a bit differently here today for two reasons. Number one, of course, it's honor of, once again, Veterans Day. And number two, because, folks, I might be in the Air Force Reserve, but I'm also in the Army. And if you're a born-again Christian, guess what? You're in the Army, too. God's spiritual Army. And it doesn't matter what your gender is, how old you are, what your military background might be, you're in the Army now. And, of course, if you're in the Army, you've got to have gear, don't you? Without Army gear, there'd be no military surplus stores, right? Well, folks, in God's spiritual Army, we come well prepared with spiritual gear, the whole armor of God, okay? Ephesians chapter 6, we start with verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watch thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Well, as you know, the Apostle Paul, he uses six Roman pieces of gear to describe God's spiritual armor. And we have replicas of those six items with us here today. Uh, somebody asked me where this stuff came from. Due to budget cuts, the U.S. Air Force is now equipping its troops with this gear instead. Okay? None of these items can be found in museums today. Fortunately, our Roman soldiers back then were very vain. There are many statues of Roman legionaries, and these statues show what they have, you know, what they happen to wear back then. So that's how we know what this stuff happens to look like. Well, for starters, folks, the Bible talks about the belt of truth. The belt of truth. We've got a pretty good replica of a standard Roman legionary's belt. And as you know, belts come in pretty handy, don't they? In this case, for three reasons. Number one, as you know, belts are great for support. If you'll pardon me for being blunt, they help keep your pants up, right? It's tough enough to be in combat, but folks, you don't want to lose your pants while in combat, okay? Then you'll die from embarrassment, all right? So the belt comes in really handy for that. In God's spiritual army, we do have a spiritual belt of truth. And it is what supports our faith, isn't it? The truth is everything, isn't it? As you know, unfortunately, the truth is taking some big hits in our country today, isn't it? But may we as Christians be known for the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But in Roman army, belts also came in handy for identification purposes, and according to Cornelius Tacitus, who met him during Sunday school, the Roman governor and historian, the Roman belt was used to identify which Roman legion and cohort a legionary was from. We don't know how the system worked, but the various straps and studs and buckles identified what that particular unit might be, okay? So it is, in God's spiritual army, we wear a spiritual belt of truth because it identifies us as being a, one of God's own. Folks, you know, the world may or may not always like us, but hopefully they can always respect us. And may they look to us as honest, truthful people who bring glory to our Commander-in-Chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. May the truth identify us as being a member of God's spiritual army, just like this belt identified a Roman soldier's unit. But on top of that, folks, Belts came in handy in Roman army for protection purposes. Now, I'll grant you, Pastor Dave, I don't see how much more protection you're going to get wearing this belt, but I guess it's better than nothing, okay? In Roman army, they wore these belts for partial protection of the abdomen. In God's spiritual army, we wear a spiritual belt of truth for protection likewise. Indeed, may I share with you uh, something that happened to me a few years ago, and you might have a similar story. When I was in graduate school, I worked for United Parcel Service. I was a Teamster. And folks, if you know anything about Teamsters, they're a rough and tumble crowd, aren't they? Okay? Well, folks, to make a long story short, I did work for UPS, and many people don't know this, but UPS drivers not only drop off packages, they pick up packages from businesses. Okay? And they pick up money. 
when they pick up those packages from the businesses, all right? Well, folks, at the end of the day, I'm checking out this incoming vehicle, and as it turns out, the money bag turned up missing. Oh, this was a big deal. UPS was obsessed and still is obsessed with honesty and integrity among its people, okay? They sent two investigators down from Seattle, Scully and Mulder. And these two investigators, folks, they searched and they checked and they interviewed people for hours in that center. And wouldn't you know it, folks? They discovered the last known person in that vehicle was moi. Well, once again, I'm sweating profusely, praying feverishly, and I'm hearing the entire account by accident. I'm working in this office right next to the center manager's office. The center manager, unfortunately, was not a particular friend of mine. Uh, in fact, um, somebody had decorated the men's locker room with uh, art from Playboy magazine, <laughs> and I thought that was inappropriate. So without asking for permission, I took down all the artwork. Turns out the center manager liked that artwork, folks, and did not appreciate me for moving it without permission. These two investigators said Hoyle is last person seen in that vehicle. We think he is the one who took the money bag. Well, praise God, folks. I didn't realize this, but apparently, thankfully, fortunately, I had a reputation for honesty. The center manager started chuckling. And he said, of all the people in this building who might have taken that money, Hoyle is probably the least likely to have done so. And I said, thank you, Lord. He is such a perceptive judge of character. <laughs> You're wondering what happened to the money, aren't you? I went to Tahiti with it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Pastor Dave just got that. <laughs> No, the money turned up. It fell down inside this wheel well where the spare tire was located. But you see my point, folks? Apparently, thankfully, the truth protected me. I had a reputation for truthfulness, and it protected me in that particular situation against a false allegation. And again, you might have a similar story. When I think about the belt of truth, I sometimes think of the X-Files. I never was a big fan of the X-Files, but I love a couple sayings from that show. One of them being, the truth is out there. They're right. The truth is out there. It's God's truth, isn't it? And the Apostle Paul uses the belt of truth to symbolize that. The truth will set you free. Captain Picard told Ensign Crusher on Star Trek that his first duty was to the truth. And may we as members of God's spiritual army Always, always remember that, right? But for the sake of time, we've got to keep moving on here, folks, to the breastplate of righteousness. We've got a pretty good... I just broke your stand. Uh-oh. Well, I'm trashing your church here, Pastor Dave. I'm glad this is not the military. I'd be in big trouble. Let's do that. We'll move that ahead. How's that? Okay. Um... We have a pretty good replica of a standard Roman officer's breastplate. This particular one here was patterned after my own personal torso. <laughs> Why is he laughing so hard? He thinks this is amusing. You don't believe me, do you? I'm hurt. I'm really crushed. I, 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 I do not appreciate the skepticism here. 
Anyway, folks, Roman officers like your centurions and your tribunes, they wore breastplates like these, sometimes of gold or silver, okay? And they'd have some poor slave spend hours polishing these things until they shone in the sun. Barbarians in Gaul reported seeing Roman officers on horseback, and they glistened in the sun, and they thought they were downright godlike. In short, folks, Rome was not interested in camouflage. <laughs> With the advent of the Magnum machine gun, folks, in World War I, most armies gave up the idea of being flashy. Okay? Camouflage became all the rage, and we're obsessed with it today. Here we have the battle dress uniform Woodlands camouflage pattern that was popular for a very long time. And then, of course, there are two different forms of desert combat uniform that they came out with. This is the economy version they came out with. And then, of course, things went digital, led by the U.S. Marine Corps. Here we have marine digital camouflage. And, of course, the Army followed suit with the, the Army's own Army digital camouflage. And, of course, I'm wearing the Air Force's digital camouflage. We camouflage everything we can. I mean, here is a camouflaged handkerchief. Tacky khaki, folks. <laughs> now, why this color? If some poor Marine or soldier at night in combat has to wipe his nose and he's using a white handkerchief, do you know what's going to happen? some sniper is going to wipe his nose for him, okay, with a bullet. So it comes in really handy camouflaging as much as possible. All kinds of colors, gray, black, tacky khaki, my personal favorite, forest green. Here is a camouflaged New Testament, folks, all right? We are big on camouflage. Guess what? The Romans thought camouflage was cowardice, and guess what, folks? God has no interest regarding camouflage in his spiritual army either. God doesn't want his people to be undercover, does he? He doesn't want folks to be camouflaged. He wants people who are ambassadors, doesn't he? With the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, furthermore, regarding a breastplate in the Roman army, as I said, very obvious, very shiny, in God's spiritual army, this breastplate, it does represent righteousness. Our righteousness should be bold. It should be shiny as well, if you will. And not in a pompous, artificial fashion, but a righteous testimony that is the outcome of a right relationship with our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be different, folks, in a good way, don't we? With this brilliant, shiny, gleaming breastplate of righteousness. You'll notice something. I'll bet Pastor Dave's preached on this. The Apostle Paul talks about a breastplate of righteousness, but there's no reference to a backplate, is there? Roman officers weren't stupid. They did wear backplates. I mean, if you have to turn your back to the enemy to give an order, comes in handy to have your back protected, okay? On rare occasions, Roman officers might have to retreat. Once again, good idea to have some protection back there, folks. In God's spiritual army, no backplate. Which means what? We don't turn our backs to Satan, do we? We don't turn our backs to him, do we? We are vigilant at all times because Satan just can't wait until we lower our guard and expose, in this case, our backs to him. Because we are in Satan's crosshairs, aren't we? 
Furthermore, folks, as far as retreat is concerned, there is no retreat in God's spiritual army. Retreat is not an option. I'm reminded one time when back when I was at McCord, McCord had the Air Force's only C-130 Hercules transport trainer, and people from all over the world came to be in that trainer. So I got to meet all kinds of people from other countries, and one day I met some Israeli pilots. We got to talking, and I was curious what they were going to say, Pastor Dave. And I said, gentlemen, tell me, what's your secret? Against all odds, you were victorious in 1948, in 1956, 1967, 1973, 1984. You're grossly outnumbered, and you always win. Why? He said two words, Pastor Dave, that still make me shiver today. You know what he said? No choice. When your family is a couple miles behind you in a kibbutz, you can't retreat. You've got nowhere to go. You stand, you fight, and if necessary, you die. In God's spiritual army, things aren't that desperate, are they? Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us, right? A lot more can be said about that breastplate, but we move on next to a very mundane but vital, vital item. Shoes. Folks, we all know how miserable it is if our shoes don't fit, right? Shoes are important, especially in the military, because we spend a great deal of time hurrying up and waiting. We spend a lot of time standing for no good reason. <laughs> we spend lots of time marching, don't we? In Roman army, they wore sandals, something like these. Romans weren't stupid. They began to put hobnails on the soles of their sandals to make them last longer and then also for protection. Turns out, folks, the Gauls, they had a rather clever idea. They sprinkled the battlefield with gems like these, and they would dip these in dung. Unsuspecting Roman soldiers would march across the field, and they would get the point. They would step on these things, folks, and the infections, of course, would set in after that. So the hobnails came in very handy for protection purposes as well as longevity and maybe even traction. So it is in God's spiritual army, folks. We have spiritual shoes, if you will, the preparation of the gospel of peace. We stand on the gospel, the good news, the plan of salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the reasons why I appreciate Pastor Dave and all of you is your church stands on the gospel of Christ, right? It is everything, isn't it? And we always need the gospel of Christ in every single lesson and sermon, correct? We never know who might be in the audience and who will need to hear about the gospel of Christ. Uh, as for the gospel, it protects us. Just like those shoes protected the Romans, it protects us spiritually on this earth and spiritually from eternal judgment. I have to confess to you, though, Pastor Dave, I've been meaning someday to talk to some Roman legionary in heaven. How on earth did they march on marble with these hobnails? I can see 6,000 Roman legionaries in a legion all falling under keisters in unison, trying to march on marble using shoes like those. But moving on, folks, again, for the sake of time, we turn to my favorite item. It may come as a surprise, but it's my favorite item, the shield of faith.
We've got a pretty good replica of a standard Roman legionary's shield. And guess what? Biggest shield in history used by a common soldier. Seven and a half square feet of surface area. It weighed 16 pounds. Wow. Now, I've had little boys go, huh, Conan the Barbarian wouldn't carry a shield like that. Guess what? Conan didn't deal with fiery darts being launched at him, did he? The Romans were brave, but they weren't stupid. They knew these shields were going to come in really handy. And folks, you know what? Frequently the shields had clips along the side. They would clip their shields together. And the enemy coming against our Roman formation didn't have a chance. All they saw was a great big red Roman line. The soldiers very well protected behind these shields. And that brings us to our main point regarding these shields of faith. And folks, it's this. The Romans were chiefly successful because their soldiers fought as a unit. They fought as one. Teamwork was absolutely everything. And you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Folks, I've been in over 500 churches, and many, many churches have got division. Many churches split, folks, and usually over, if you'll forgive me for being blunt, stupid stuff. I have been in churches that split over the color of the carpet, for Pete's sake. I served on a church board where they had a knockdown, drag out argument over one ply versus two ply bathroom tissue. <laughs> Give me a break, folks. There's a spiritual battle going on out there. We don't have time for this nonsense, do we? As Benjamin Franklin said, gentlemen, we all must hang together or we will all hang separately. We've got to be united, folks. And I'll be the first one to admit, I know nothing about your church in terms of politics and that kind of thing, uh, personality clashes and what have you. I don't know anything about them. I don't need to. But if your church is like most churches, not everybody in this church loves each other. Is that correct in me saying that, Pastor Dave? <laughs> your nose is getting longer, Pastor Dave. <laughs> That's okay. We're all human, folks. We're going to have some differences, aren't we? It's all right to have differences. We can disagree without being disagreeable, right? And if somebody has offended you, don't worry about it. The Lord will make things right, won't he? He will avenge you, won't he? We don't have to worry about it, folks. I am tired of meeting people who have said, I'm going to leave my church because they don't appreciate me. Or I'm going to leave because they don't like my ideas. Well, tough luck. Too bad. Grow up, folks, is what I tell these guys. We need to fight together as a unit for our Lord and Savior, our Commander-in-Chief, Jesus Christ, don't we? We don't have time for these kind of silly disagreements. When I think of the military folks, they leave no room for disunity, especially in combat. For those of you who are veterans, picture, if you will, this battle going on. Let's say that we've got this soldier, a Marine, and right in the middle of this firefight, he jumps out of his fighting position, runs backward to his sergeant major, or if he's a Marine, he runs back to his gunnery sergeant, and he says, 
Gunnery Sergeant! I need a transfer! I have a personality conflict with the guy in my foxhole. He offended me. He hurt my feelings. I am emotionally traumatized. I don't feel validated by him. And of course, the gunnery sergeant, being a very kind, gentle, patient, long-suffering individual, is going to say, you poor booby. I am so sorry for you. I grieve for you. We will stop the entire battle just for you. We will get you counseling. And then we'll just take you around all the different guys and see who you want to serve with instead. Because we care so very much about your petty little feelings. Do you think that's going to happen, folks? No, that gunnery sergeant, that first sergeant, he's going to kick that guy in the tush and he's going to say, you knucklehead, there's a battle going on. We don't have time for this nonsense. And folks, we don't have time in God's church for petty disagreements either, do we? And once again, and I've been stabbed in the back by a fellow Christian. I know how it is, folks. I really do. I've served on church boards. It's okay. Once again, God will make things right. There is a payday someday, all right? And we'll let God fix the wagon of that person who stabbed you in the back, okay? In the meantime, we fight for our Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? We suck it up and get on with our spiritual battle. Well, before I get in trouble, better move on here. Uh, at this time, we do need some help. I need some assistance. And Pastor Dave, I am sure after much prayer, has selected for us a supermodel to wear for us God's heavy metal. Pastor Dave, who's going to be our supermodel here? Our, our newest Christian is with us today, Uru, said she Outstanding. Yes, ma'am. Would you come up here, please? All right. Give her a big hand, folks. Okay. <laughs> right over here, please. Are you sure she's still glad she's a Christian, Dave? <laughs> Thank you so much for coming up here, okay? All right. As a born-again Christian, you are in God's spiritual army. And God has given you spiritual weapons to protect yourself, okay? And among other things, he has given you a spiritual shield of faith. So would you stand over here, please, in front of all these ornery-looking people? Okay, there's your shield of faith, all right? And would you like to pick that up to see how heavy that is right there? Is that pretty heavy? Would you like to carry that for eight hours straight? No, he doesn't, she doesn't think so. Great, so I'll let you put that down, okay? Here's her shield of faith. Well, next of all, folks, the Bible talks about the helmet of salvation. So we have a helmet for our supermodel here. The helmet of salvation, folks. As you can see, the Roman helmet, it was pretty substantial, wasn't it, folks? Made out of 18-gauge steel. Why is that? The head is a very vital part of the body, isn't it? It's got to be protected. And we find in Scripture that our helmet is representing salvation. Salvation is everything, isn't it? It's vital. It's crucial. It's important. And I noticed something interesting. Salvation, as you know, is not just of the heart. It is of the head as well. It must be both, right? Head and heart at the same time. 
All right? It can't be one or the other. It's got to be both. Um, my Mormon friends, they talk about the fact that they've got to be right because they have this burning in their bosom. With all due respect to any of our Mormon friends, I'm sorry. I get a burning in my bosom if I eat too much pepperoni. All right? That is not a good basis, folks, for your salvation, is it? It's too subjective. It's too unreliable. We have to know what we believe, why we believe it, and then we're going to feel it, aren't we? It's got to be both ways, doesn't it? All right. Uh, the Roman helmet, once again, it was heavy. It was substantial. You can tell us all that, can't you, by wearing that helmet there. And we hope our salvation testimony, it's strong, folks. It can take it, folks, no matter what. All right. I hope if I can ask you, why do you know you're going to heaven? You can tell me. If you can't tell me, I would be worried. Would you be worried, Pastor Dave? Absolutely. You know, years ago, I taught a college career Sunday school class. We had a series on different religions and faiths and what have you. And I contacted 50 churches and mosques and synagogues and what have you. And I asked the first person who picked up the phone, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to go to heaven? The overwhelming majority of the time, the person who answered the phone would say, that's a theological question you should ask the pastor about. Whoa. Folks, we need to know why we're going to heaven. We need to know how we're going to heaven. Number one, for ourselves. And number two, so we can show other people how to go too, folks. If there's anybody here who does not know for a fact that he or she is going to heaven, please don't leave this place until you talk to one of us. If there's anybody here who lacks the assurance of salvation, please talk to one of us. Please talk to Pastor Dave. I'm sure we have ladies to talk with the ladies. My own mother, bless her heart, she came to know the Lord, but she never had the assurance of salvation. She thought she could lose it. And she admitted she'd wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, wondering if she was still saved. We don't have to live like that, folks. We can have victory through Christ, right? and know we're going to heaven. Know it, folks, not just feel it, correct? Well, last not least, folks, for the sake of time, we turn to the item of Roman gear that little boys like the most. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and the Apostle Paul apparently uses the Roman gladius sword to represent that. And you can put that right there, because that's kind of heavy, isn't it? Okay. And I do hope I've not offended you in any way. <laughs> she told me during the intermission between the services, she's related to Genghis Khan. <laughs> this is not reassuring, folks. Pray for me. Folks... The Roman sword was the only strictly offensive piece of gear they had. And folks, it was pretty small, but it was short and to the point. <laughs> Barbarians initially laughed when they saw those legionaries with the Roman gladius. Because it's such a small sword, they stopped laughing real quick. Because guess what, folks? Those barbarians, they're busy holding hummers like these. This is a replica. A Conan sword! Whoa! Cool! Problem. 
This sword weighs three times as much as that sword does. After eight hours of nonstop combat, who do you think is going to be in better shape to keep fighting? <laughs> That's right, folks. The Romans decided short and to the point was a whole lot better than carrying clunkers like these. On top of that, for every swing I can get in with this monster, she can get in three with hers. On top of that, she is fighting as a unit with her fellow believers at, Ferndale, at First Baptist Church of Ferndale, right? Shoulder to shoulder, right? On a Roman battle line, do you think it's a good idea for legionaries to swing a sword this big? No! They're lopping off the noses and ears of their fellow soldiers. Once again, folks, the Romans knew what they were doing. That sword was grossly underestimated, but that sword conquered the known world. And you know what, folks? Once again, that sword, the Apostle Paul uses to represent the Word of God. People underestimate the Word of God, don't they? Don't leave home without it. Roman soldiers never went anywhere without their gladius. Even when they took a bath, they carried their towel, they carried their soap, and they carried their sword. In God's spiritual army, we need to be the same way. We never go anywhere without the Word of God. Now, maybe we're not carrying it physically, but we need to carry it here, don't we? Ready for action at a moment's notice. We need to memorize Scripture, folks, and be ready for it. We might get to witness to somebody, right? Absolutely. Never go unarmed anywhere. And in the Roman army, everybody trained with that sword. They were proficient with that sword. You and I and God's spiritual army, we need to know this book. We need to be proficient with this book. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it, correct? And again, we salute your church because we know that that is one of your missions here. Well, I think that she has done a wonderful job being our volunteer Roman legionary, our supermodel. Would you give her a big hand, please? We will be taking up an offering to pay for her therapy after this. <laughs> Folks, we need to start wrapping things up here today. So much more can be said, obviously, but may all of us here be members of God's spiritual army. If there's anybody here who's not yet joined God's spiritual army by becoming a born-again Christian, we, we salute you, but we encourage you to enlist today. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ, our Commander-in-Chief, as Lord and Savior. Be a member of his special army. And for those of us who are a member of his army, most of us are, may we be well trained with the gear that he's given us. May we make sure that we have all his spiritual gear on, that we are well trained in its use, and that we are maintaining it properly. 
May all of us here live for our Commander-in-Chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. May we make him proud of us. And one day, folks, when each and every one of us stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and it will happen, folks, we cannot call in sick, cannot email a note from home, you and I will individually stand before Jesus Christ at the Bema seat or judgment seat of Christ. Hopefully, he will be able to say to us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Would you please stand? I will pray and then turn the services back over to Pastor Dave for him to conclude as he sees fit. My wife and I will look forward to talking with you over here if you like. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you so much for this church. We thank you for this leadership. We thank you for its people. We thank you for any visitors that we might have with us. We earnestly hope and pray if there's anybody here with any doubts at all regarding salvation, that they would make sure those doubts are taken care of this morning. And for the rest of us who are born again, we do know we're going to heaven. We are members of your spiritual army. May we make you proud. May we make you glad. May we make certain that we are wearing all six items of the spiritual gear. May we keep that spiritual gear in good repair. May we make sure that we are ready at all times with this spiritual gear to engage in spiritual combat. And again, may we make sure that one day you will say to us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We thank you so much for all this in the name of our Lord and Savior and Creator and Commander-in-Chief, Jesus Christ. Amen.